Hi, this is the Robberator. You can support my Mad Grab for Power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. And I am Bria Grant. Uh, Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Bria, thank you so much for being here this month. This is uh, is our last time, but it's been so fun having you. It's been such a joy. I've really enjoyed reading everyone's feedback, but also uh, reading this book. It's been, it's just been, it's just been so nice. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's fun to do someone else's podcast, which is <laughs> also, it's it totally different than doing my other podcast. It's working different brain connections, different neurons right. are firing, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rerouting, mm-hmm. d- doing different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while Bria has been here, we turned, what are we drinking into what are we snacking? Uh, are you <laughs> snacking on anything though? I am actually, I am, uh, I, I I'm this is not a plug. I actually do really like I'm eating chocolate per usual and um reading glasses my my other podcast my regular gig if you will um is sponsored by uh Fortunato number no. 4 uh chocolate which comes in these 1.1 pound bars. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> which is heavy. It's a heavy bar, but I That's like it cuz I can just take off a little bit and carry it around the mm. house with me like Bugs Bunny eating a carrot. and <laughs> It's <laughs> a workout, um, but also uh-huh. a treat. It is. It is definitely. Um, but I, I've, I had a long day today. I spent a lot of my day uh, delivering gifts to various people, like dropping them off on people's porches. Oh, and, look at um, you. How Santa Claus. You no, know, I was a little, a little elf today. And, That's um, great. I realized I hadn't had chocolate all day long because I've been wearing oh, no. a mask all day and I, I, I haven't eaten any snacks. So I was like, oh, this is a good reason for me to start snacking at, you know, 4.30 p.m. some chocolate. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm having something chocolatey myself. Uh, nice. I made myself a, a cup of candy cane cocoa. Have you ever had candy cane cocoa? No, go on. What is it? Uh, it's it's cocoa, just normal instant cocoa. Uh, so the chocolate's just okay, but they crush up uh, candy canes in it <gasps> real small so that when you put the water in, yeah, if you, I've gotten good at stirring it just the right amount. The candy canes melt and then become like a peppermint flavor in the cocoa. Yum. That sounds amazing. I made yeah. cocoa for the first time like this year, the other day. And I was like, why am I not riding this cocoa train every night? Like, this is so good. <laughs> Cocoa's the best. It's yeah. so yeah. delicious. And you're allowed to drink chocolate, which is really mm-hmm. my goal is just to add chocolate to every single thing I do. So then you can. Wow, that sounds great. Take some cocoa, dip a Fortunato number four in the cocoa, double chocolate. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely, I I really could. Um, Or I could, I could just make this Fortunato number four into um, hot cocoa. Probably just melt it down. Actually, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's I have so much of it. (laughs) Yeah. And if you had any candy canes, you could crush them yourself. Boom. Wow. We've made, wow. I can't believe (laughs) I'm my plans for the weekend. Ready to go. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks, Bria. I'm sorry you can't stay with us, but you have this project now. To... <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let us move on to the quick burns. Uh, Shad pointed out that this year's State of the Sanderson, where Brandon Sanderson updates the status of all his projects, is out. Uh, and uh, if you're a Brandon Sanderson fan, you probably already know this, but go check it out at brandonsanderson.com. Tom Ahome noted there is a section of it that says, Therefore, we, referring to Sanderson's mainframe audiobook company, decided to try and basically build our own television series based on the concept, referring to Legion, Stephen Leeds, only doing it as audio dramas. So you're not getting video, but you're basically getting a series based on Legion Stephen Leeds. This is the way, this is the future, man. I mean, you know, you don't have to show up anywhere. You can just do it from home, <laughs> do, do audio dramas. I think we're going to see many of these. This feels like like the next step. Like everyone I know in the film industry is like, oh yeah, I'm trying to create this podcast, myself included, like a, uh-huh, a narrative uh-huh. podcast version of whatever they're trying to do. Uh, it's like the new comic book. You me- do you remember like a hot minute? People were like, "I got to create a comic book out of this thing because I can't create a yeah. TV show of it." So now, now it's now it's audio dramas. Yeah, with like Firefly, we we couldn't they couldn't get new episodes, so yeah. they turned them into comic books, and and yeah, yeah. everybody was doing that. Doctor Who was actually doing the audio book thing a while back, 
with, uh, you know, cause they have so many different people who've played the doctor. So they could go back and do episodes with older doctors mm, uh, I like on that. audiobook. Cool. Yeah. Without worrying about like, well, they look a little older. How are we going to explain that? Right. Cause they still sound the same. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, I would, cool. by the way, you just bringing up Firefly would definitely watch a continuation of that series uh, or watch, oh, yeah. listen to that as an audio drama. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's sort of the same problem that you have with a TV show of getting everyone on board, but it seems like it would be logistically e- easier if they just had to record their voices versus having to show up on sets and stuff. I mean, I think so, depending on how many episodes you did. I yeah, mean, not to yeah. get boring and, and about it. But yeah, I think I th- I mean, it, it seems like it. And I think there's certain shows like that that we would all be here for. Like, you know, the when mm-hmm. when they did um Sandman, it was like everyone was like, yeah, yeah, do that. Because we're never oh, yeah. going to get that movie. So we may as well want to <laughs> hear it in some way, shape or form. Um, Yeah. 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 I like it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Jan wrote in to say, according to Deadline, Universe, Deadline uh, Universal Pictures has won a bidding war over the rights to an adaptation of the graphic novel The Electric State, with Millie Bobby Brown attached as the lead, the Russo brothers as directors, and Marcus and McFeely uh, as writers. The Electric State was written by Simon, oh no, how do you say this person's name? Stalinhog? Stalinhog? Stalinhog, yeah. 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 And it is set in al- alternative... Um, 1997, where a teenage girl and her toy robot are traveling through a dystopian America in search of her brother, who may have sent the robot. No further details regarding casting or when production starts uh, that hasn't been announced yet. Have you read this? Well, first of all, I've got to go check out The Electric State. I know. That just sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, man. It combines so many things I love. A dystopia. It sounds like it's a, a woman on a journey, which is definitely part of my wheelhouse. I don't know how I didn't check this out already. Um sounds super rad. I actually went and looked at some of the art for it and it, it looked, the cover looked super cool. Um, yeah, I, it seems really rad. And I like, I mean, I don't know if you need any other casting announcements when you have Millie Bobby Brown. Like, I mean, you know, yeah, there's right? your casting <laughs> announcement. I mean, I'll watch it. Like I'm in whatever. I mean, I would probably be in otherwise, but like definitely in now with, with, uh, her and the Russo brothers. Yeah. Did you watch Enola Holmes? I haven't watched it. I actually just added it to my Netflix queue because I was like, this looks adorable, like something I would enjoy. Is it good? Yeah. And and it's it's good beyond just the Millie Bobby Brown. But that's what it reminded me of is I'm like, I'm watching that because she looks amazing in it. Uh, and then you also get like a really fun Sherlock Holmes spin, uh, which which I enjoy. So, yeah, I think it's really good. I enjoyed watching it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd watch her. I mean, she's she's a very charming actress. I would love I. I'm excited to see what she does. And this sounds super rad. Uh, John pointed out that pre-orders are open for the Galaxy and the Ground Within book four of the Wayfarers series, which I am a huge fan of uh, and try to gobble up as soon as they come out. So it's Becky Chambers. Yeah. 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 Cool. I I actually read that, but I do love Becky Chambers. So. Yeah. I, I think I'm I'm still still making my way through the last one so i'm a little bit behind uh but you know pre-orders i got time (laughs) you got got time but those pre-orders we talk about this all the time they're very important so yeah if y'all like this yeah yeah put in your pre-orders definitely um we also got an update from the amazing rob on sword and laser group uh group effort to raise money for world builders yes indeed uh thanks to everybody who jumped in on the sword and laser team for this we got a few more donations uh, bringing us to a final total of $5,745.70, exceeding yeah. our 2019 amount by $270. Hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, the end of the year World Builders Drive, if you don't know, goes to Heifer International, uh, which provides long-term solutions to give people a hand up so they can pull themselves and ultimately their whole community out of poverty. Heifer's programs start with education, feature a common sense approach at a local level, and have a proven track record of sustainability and a far-reaching ripple effect of people helping others to thrive. So instead of just buying food and giving it to somebody, it really does like help them start to be able to like help themselves, uh, in a, in a positive and and proven way. So this year we had 29 donors, which is two more than we had last year, including nine anonymous donations. Uh, thank you for those. We will not be reading your name because you're anonymous. Uh, (laughs) but here are the people who are 2020 donors, Mark Martinez, Eric Reimers, Elizabeth Mitchum, Todd Karazzi, Sheila Jean, the robberator himself, 
Jan McKenzie, Robin Medeiros, Dan Bowers, Kirsten Love, Laura Eakins, Blair Robinson, Shannon Clark, Michael Beam, Seth Warburton, David Jenkins, Rebecca Powell, Lisa Hannigan, Kirsty Walls, Sherry Johnson, and Anthony Robinson. Uh, thanks to each one of you, and happy holidays. You've hopefully made someone else's holiday better here. Wow, that is awesome. Thanks, everybody. That's such a nice thing to do. All right. Well, let's uh, get to Bear Your Sword, our feedback from the audience. Oh, look, um, this person named Veronica tweeted, <laughs> uh, Ryan and I are so excited to welcome our son Julian to the world. Grateful, humbled, and awestruck by this little dude. Uh, and man, he's he's small. He's wow. a very small guy, but so he's small. mighty. Yeah. So small, but really, go check out this photo because this is one cute baby. Very cute baby. <laughs> Ronna needs to be careful. I'm going to go find where she lives and steal this baby. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I know. You probably were thinking like, is that baby really going to be cute? Well, turns Ugh. out, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm, lo- I'm looking at Real this baby cute. right now and just like, what? A looker? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So cute. Amazing. And like, so light. It would be easy for you to steal. <laughs> so, so light. Probably loud, though. So like maybe not the easiest <laughs> yeah, thing to steal. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, mm. but wow. Congratulations. What a time to be alive, having a baby in 2020. No kidding, right? Well done, Veronica. Literally, you did it. You did the hardest thing you can possibly do in the hardest year you can possibly do it in. Unlocked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just texting with Veronica before the show because, you know, we miss having her her on, but they're doing great. Uh, He's still tiny, but getting bigger all the time. So everything's good there. Uh, So there you go. There's some news. Uh, We also have another tweet directed at you, Bria. Oh, yay. Uh, well, pre-wrote in to say thank you, Bria, um, of the At Reading G podcast. Um, I'm I'm not on Twitter, so this tweet couldn't reach me directly, but thank you for tagging Reading Glasses. Uh, thank you, Bria, for letting me know about the At O Parables so I can listen along while reading uh, for Sword and Laser. This is perfection. Yeah, I think a lot of people were were appreciative of that recommendation to, to help with the with the pick. Yeah, I, I was checking out, too. I I was, I mean, I was doing a lot of uh, checking out things right before this, but yeah, that's a very cool thing. And I'm, I'm happy it was helpful in reading along. And then Crystal, Crystal asked uh, for a book request. She said, any suggestions for sci-fi and fantasy that's not action driven, like science fiction, fantasy, murder mystery, or very minimal violence. I want to like science fiction and fantasy, but I feel like I'm picking the wrong books for me. Still looking for D&D and a tavern mystery, too. Uh, she was asking <laughs> about that previously. Um, I cannot help with this D&D tavern mystery uh, because that sounds fascinating. But I can I can give a couple suggestions for um, this is what we do on our podcast a lot. So a couple suggestions for science fiction, fantasy in a mystery setting if you want to hear them i would say a book i almost chose and i wrote you tom and i was like should i do this one which one should i do and um, all right uh but i wanted to do six wakes by mer lafferty which came out a few years ago i love this book um it is a mystery set in a spaceship um and it's basically these people all wake up this these these um crew members all wake up and they it's it's in this world. Hold on. Let me describe it in this world. You transfer your consciousness from like one clone of your body to the next. Right. Mm. So if something happens to you, you can go back to another clone and you can just like wherever you've backed up to kind of like a computer. You can just like, you know, jump into that body. Um, but these people all wake up and they don't and all of their clones are dead and they have no memory what happened to what happened to them. No memory of what happened to them. So it's this mystery of figuring out who killed their clone, ver- the other versions of this el- themselves, because they've woken up in like these new bodies. Um, so, it, so it is a mystery. It is not minimal violence because they wake up dead, but mm-hmm. it is a mystery. Um, and the other mystery I would say, which I think y'all have done on this show, Tom, is uh, uh, Lock In. Haven't you done Lock In by John Scalzi? Did y'all do that book? We've done so much Scalzi and I've I read so much Scalzi that it blurs together in my mind which ones we did for the show. So you very, you may very well be right. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I looked this up one time that because I when uh-huh. I was thinking about what to pick, but it's the one where in this future setting, there's a disease that affects like 1% of the population gets affected in that they get a lock-in syndrome where they can't move um, oh, their okay. body and they're stuck in there and they have full awareness, but they just can't move their actual bodies. And 
that is like sort of the backdrop on which this murder, this mystery takes place. And it's a mm-hmm. detective trying to figure this thing out. And his partner is one of these people who have this lock-in syndrome, but uses like um, uh, a surrogate. They use, you can use a surrogate to like walk oh, okay. around and like do shit for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And like, in, no, this, and, this, and this, we definitely read this. Um, yeah. I don't remember if it was an actual pick or an alternate pick, but yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, sure. but it is it is a mystery with like a science fiction element mm-hmm. to it, uh, not spacey. But um, so those are the two I was thinking of that are like mystery ish. Yeah, I was. I'm I'm so glad you're here <laughs> because I was having a hard time <laughs> coming coming up with answers. I mean, I thought of the Bobby Dollar series from Tad Williams that we read before. Okay, that might be a little bit too much on the violent. It's a very like a film noir detective novel kind of thing. Um, and then maybe to say nothing of the dog, uh, by Connie Willis, which is like a historical time travel mystery situation. Uh, but that's all I could come up with. A crystal is not wrong. There's a lot of actiony things, particularly I think in fantasy, I was having a little bit more trouble with fantasy, but I think science fiction, there's like a lot of like, you know, like, oh, we're trying to figure out why this happened. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I, I think that there, I can even, Crystal, if you find me on Instagram, I can think I can send you some more. But those are the two that came. Just the two off the top of my head. Yeah, because even, even um, uh, what was it? Uh, Finder by Suzanne Palmer was kind of here. Um, that, that's the one we read a couple of months ago. Uh, but I'm assuming Crystal already knows about that one. So I mean, yeah. she's probably looking for others. Yeah. Well, try Thanks, Crystal. Too, Crystal. I hope yeah. that helps. Yeah. Jan wrote in and said, uh, I, uh, Jan is snacking, which is great. We need to know that information. Uh, Jan is snacking on a homemade uh, pre-breakfast Christmas cookie while listening. Love that. Pre-breakfast snack. Um, in any case, great episode. Thank you, Bria. It has been a delight. And congratulations on 400 episodes. Reading Thanks. the 404 jokes. You really have to skip that number. I have to say I'm looking forward to four, to the 420 end of next year. Maybe we can celebrate that milestone instead. <laughs> uh, other than that, let me change it to my Santa hat. I wish everyone a happy holiday of their choosing. Stay safe and healthy and sane. Have a great 2021 with lots of swords and lasers. It can only get better. Aw, thank you. That's great. Fun. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, 400. Wow. Y'all are really up there. Yeah. No, Tom, we, you we spent just, like half your just... life doing this podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think I'm so young. I'm flattered. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, yeah, it really is, no, it's we, awesome. I know. It 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 doesn't feel like we've been doing it that long. Uh and and also, I mean, we sometimes Veronica and I make fun of like round number, like what's the big deal? But you know what? It's a big deal to, yeah. to get that many numbers. It's a milestone and it's, yeah, yeah I, 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 when we hit like a hundred, I remember we were freaking out. So yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like a hundred with podcasts is a bigger deal than the later ones. Like until well, you maybe don't hit last a that thousand. <laughs> yeah. Most of them, I think once you've hit a hundred, you're like, ah, eh, 200, whatever. I've already done a hundred, you know, like, right. Right. Yeah. I've had one podcast get to a thousand. What? Yeah. What? Now we, we blew it out for that. What podcast was it? That was Buzz Out Loud, the CNET uh, podcast I did with Mollywood and Veronica Belmont. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, we we started that in like March 2005. So wow, I think it was 2009 we hit 1,000 episodes, something like Are that. Are you anyway. sure they even had podcasts in 2005? Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is impressive. Way ahead of the curve. <laughs> uh, Megan solved the mystery of the club in True Blood. It was called Fantasia. Yes, F-A-N-G. Fangtasia. Megan writes, the books and the Alan Ball series are quite a bit different, so interested to see where they go with a reboot. Uh, she points out that the book series is mainly focused on Sookie, which the original HBO series was too, with the other characters less prominently featured. She says, I enjoyed them as fast, easy reading. Uh, but yeah, whether they recast Sookie or just expand the universe, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. I don't know, but whenever someone says Sookie, I can only think about the way that the main vampire guy said it. He'd, he'd say it like girl sexy. Sookie. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, my, exactly. my wife and I, whenever we talk about true blood, we'll end up saying that. Yeah. <laughs> to each other. <laughs> and then a friend of mine, Shannon named her dog Sookie. And so now we say it about the dog. Oh. Whenever we talk about the dog. Yeah. What a great dog name. That's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tama Home. Am I saying that correctly? You just you said, said it, it perfectly. Wow. Well wow. Done. Okay. 
uh, noted, and this is very important. I'm glad that we know this information. <laughs> uh, Fig Newtons, uh, the company named the pastries after the town of Newton, Massachusetts, and recently become after recently becoming associated. Um, the Kennedy Biscuit Company and the New York Biscuit Company merged to f- form Nabisco, and the new company trademarked the fig rolls as the Fig Newtons. No, so we're kind so, of okay, right. So- we got a twofer out of this. First of all, now we know where the Newton came, came from. And I had no idea about Nabisco being a portmanteau, essentially, of two biscuit company names. That's amazing. That, yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that that's what they were saying. Oh, yeah. Also, I think last week we claimed, or two weeks ago, whatever, what, what is yeah. time? Well, uh, yeah. We claimed, um, <laughs> we were like, is the cookie a Newton? And I will say we were kind of right. The company trademarked yeah. them as Newtons. Right. So, they yeah, named gonna... the cookie the Newton. After the town. Get... And so <laughs> I think you can justify that that's the style of the fig cookie, and you can put other things in there and make it a blueberry Newton. Yeah. Or a, a fig. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a fig roll, which is a fig Newton. Yeah. Right. Blueberry. Right. Newton. A fig roll would be the generic version. Your listeners Unless are amazing that they will look this stuff up. This is No, I love awesome. that. I know. <laughs> the best. We have, we have the hive mind. It's so good. Before we get to wrapping up our December pick, let's quickly kick off the January one because we're going to get spoilery on the December one. Uh, we have magically summoned author, filmmaker, and co-host of the Reading Glasses podcast, Mallory O'Mara, to join us. Welcome, Mallory. Thank you for having me on, Tom. I am so excited to talk about this book and so excited to be back on Sword and Laser. Hey, Mallory. Yeah. Hey, Bria. <laughs> How weird is it that we are together not on our own podcast? Wow. Wow. We may just like go into reading glasses mode if we're not careful. <laughs> I know. We're talking ex- about books on our not on reading glasses. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you both for doing this. This is uh, kind of a fun moment for me, too, because I'm a big fan of the Reading Glasses podcast. So I get to live out that fantasy of when I'm actually listening to you, of you hearing me when I talk back at the show. Well, you've helped out uh, quite a bit. For, you're sort of like our resident uh, tech help when we, we have a mm-hmm. question about some weird yeah. book tech. We always go to you. Yeah. Uh, uh, outside of book lights. I'm not so good with the book lights, but anything else, let me know. I'm always you know, there We for got you. the book lights covered. We, uh, yeah, at you guys this are point good in the that. show, we, we've, <laughs> I, Bria, how many book lights do you think we've reviewed at this point? Ten? Uh, I would say no. I was going to say like five, probably maybe upwards of five. I would not say 10, but I don't know. We actually, one of my new year's resolutions this year is to keep up with the things like in a chart that we review. Cause we're very bad about knowing what we have done. Uh, like I, we're very organized about some things, but that's the one thing we don't keep up with. This is a boring podcast thing, but uh, in case anyone <laughs> wanted to know. <laughs> well, I didn't know this because, I mean, we all know yeah. that podcasts are built 100% on Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets. Oh, so yeah. That's just, yeah. A quick, yeah. quick peek behind the reading glasses curtain. Yeah. I mean, you throw that stuff out there and somebody in the audience will suddenly like chart it for you. So, you know. Well, not... also, if any Sword and Laser fans have uh-huh. uh, their favorite book lights that they want to recommend to us, please uh, get in touch with us on one of our many forms of social media. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, the reason we are get, we are summoning Mallory here is of course, uh, to kick off the January book, the marrow thieves by Cherie. Uh, do you know how to properly pronounce her name? I have not been able to find it perfectly pronounced. I actually, I did, I did some YouTubing before we, we recorded this episode and it's Cherie Dimaline. Dimaline. Thank you. That's great. Uh, so tell us what the book is about and why you wanted to pick this, because if, if you haven't figured this out, folks, Mallory's stepping in to fill in for Veronica in January. Yeah, I'm real. I'm really excited to do this one. I am not a normal sci-fi reader, so I'm excited to kick off uh, 2021 with some sci-fi reading. And this is this book is definitely a little bit close to home, but uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. And so it's a YA book, and it uh, takes place in sort of a near future where the world is you know nearly destroyed by global warming. I know huge stretch of the imagination for everybody, <laughs> um, and the indigenous people of North America um, are the only ones who can dream because in this future uh, people are people stop being able to dream. And so uh, the non-Indigenous people of North America start hunting them to try to get their bone marrow to try to see if they can dream again. And uh, there's this one like group of, of people that are struggling to like survive in this post-apocalyptic world. And apparently one of them has the holds the secret to defeating these uh, scary thieving uh, people who want to take their bone marrow. <laughs> So I, I I get the idea that because uh, some people are like, ooh, I don't know if I want another post-apocalyptic 
uh, quite yet. And, and we've, we've kind of jumped back and forth all year long in 2020 between like the folks who are like, yes, I actually want this. It helps me to get through it. And the people saying, no, I want to keep it at arm's length. So we've done some lighter stuff and then we've done some, some deeper stuff even before you guys were picking stuff for us. But this one sounds like the story is really less about the post-apocalyptic and more about the fantasy, about the adventure. Yeah, and it, I feel like it has enough sci-fi-ness. Like, so it seems like the central uh, idea of the book isn't so much the global warming, it's the, mm-hmm. the inability to dream, which is so sci-fi-y and is, there's so many great sci-fi books out there that sort of play around with this idea, but I've never seen it done like this. And uh, it was funny when I, I ordered the book, you can tell the book's going to be good be- when it comes in and there's like a million stickers on the cover and this has <laughs> five, like, best book of the year uh-huh. pick like Kirkus prize with like and then on the back of the book it's you know this five like a full paragraph naming it the best book of the year so if you know all those people can't be wrong i think this is a good pick too like right i think like this sounds like this book could be holding hands with parable of the sower and that yeah. <laughs> and that you know <laughs> parable of the sower which you were doing is you know was written in 92 right and this was written this year was it written in 2017 yeah it's a pretty so it's a pretty it's, recent book yeah, so it's interesting because it's it's like two different takes on the apocalypse. Yes, and I well, I think for areas. January, January is probably the most hopeful month that we've had in a really long time. Uh, you know, with the incoming Biden administration and the hopefully incoming vaccine, uh, I felt hope for this world for the first time in a while. So I feel like I'm ready to read something post-apocalyptic. And and actually, the reason why I chose it is a, a reading glasses reason. Uh, Cherie uh, Demaline, her. Um, her book, her 2020 release, Empire of Wild, was on our best books of the year for 2020 for reading glasses. And after reading Empire of Wild, which I bought 100% because it had the word werewolf in the synopsis, and I will buy any <laughs> werewolf book, um, I, I, I read it and I loved it. And she immediately became one of those authors that I was like, wow, I will read anything that she writes. And I was looking, I was looking up, me and Bria were trying to figure out because uh, Empire of Wild came out in 2019 in Canada, but in 2020 in America. So there was initially some confusion about whether or not we could include it on the best of 2020 list. And I saw that she had written this other book and I texted Bria. And I was like, Bria, this this book looks really good. It looks like you should read it. And then I was reading it. And I was like, I want to read this too. Uh, so <laughs> when you asked me to come on Sword and Laser, I was like, I normally don't have any sci-fi picks readily available, but this one happened to be right in my browser history. So I said, let's do this one. And uh, I was happy this it hadn't been chosen yet. Yeah, this is this is great. Uh, and and uh, Cherie Dimeline seems like a, a really interesting author as well. Uh, Tassie Dave over on our Goodreads forum uh, pointed out that she is our second Native American author, although she prefers uh, to identify as Mati. Yes. Uh, right. Which yes. do you know much about that? Yeah, so uh, we did, we actually, because we originally, uh, and by we, I mean me, I will take blame for this. Uh, <laughs> it was not Bria at all. Uh, when we had been talking, we were, I had been recommending Empire of Wild on another Reading Glasses episode, because I absolutely love it. Sword and Laser folks, if you read Marrow Thieves and are like, wow, this book's amazing, read Empire of Wild too. It's an adult book, but it's also, it's a, more of a fantasy. It's about werewolves. It's amazing. Uh, so we, I, I had incorrectly referred to her as a First Nations author, but she uh, identifies as Métis because her uh, her people don't recognize Canada. And they're like, you guys colonized us. We're not, I'm not calling myself Canadian. Uh, so that's how they identify. And I totally respect that. She's also extremely tattooed and has glasses. So as a fellow <laughs> uh, tattooed glasses lady, I was like, ah, you're amazing. You're super cool. <laughs> Mallory only reads authors with glasses. She reads <laughs> authors with glasses. <laughs> it's very difficult. I got to track down those author photos ahead of time. So, so an author photo that makes you look like you're looking in a mirror is in your wheelhouse. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> I only read books by other tattooed glasses ladies. <laughs> Uh, Tessie Dave said she's the fourth person of color author we've read in the last seven books, the 18th person of color author overall in Sword and Laser history, the sixth female author we've read consecutively, uh, which would be seven if you included the alternate uh, book this month. So Tessie Dave, always there with the stats uh, for us. I'm really looking forward to this because it's it's a great sword and laser pick, right? There's a science fiction futuristic aspect to it but also the dream thing is very fantasy uh and and it just sounds really gripping to me yeah i'm really excited to read it one because i love books that 
science fiction books that can change my mind. And I hate dreaming. I am an insomniac. Mm. I have a really hard time sleeping. So when I was reading the the summary of this book, I was like, not dreaming. That sounds fantastic. Um, but clearly it is a disaster for the people in this book. And I'm actually really interested to see. It seems like it's one of those things that to me, I'm like, oh, I'm, I could totally function if I didn't dream. Uh, but I know that no. dreaming has so many uh, important brain functions uh, for, <laughs> for, for for human beings. And um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, to seeing how that plays out. It just seems like such a small thing to me, but clearly it's something that uh, when taken mm. away, would uh, have huge effects on on the entire world. There's actually another book that I read sometime in the past couple of years. Bria, do you remember? I don't know if you read this too. There was uh, an, an, another science fiction book where people couldn't sleep, I think, or couldn't dream. Yeah, it's... um. Second sleep? No, it's... um. Oh, I, I it was like one of my favorite books, but I feel like I didn't read it in the year it came out. Oh, this is going to yeah. make me crazy. What was it called? Yeah, because I think I read it because you read it. Welcome to being oh, the podcasters. Well, I, I'll jump in and say this sounds vaguely familiar. Like I heard y'all talk about it once on Reading Glasses, and I can't pin it down either. I don't think it's dreaming, but it was. it's an post-apocalyptic book where people can no longer sleep. And it follows a bunch of different characters. Uh, is it The will... Age of Miracles? Was it The Age of Miracles? Uh I feel like we read it. A oh no, that's the one. Of it's years no, ago. no, that's not what it is. It's I. It's one. Someone, oh, this is gonna make me crazy. Sorry, y'all keep talking. <laughs> I'm gonna find it by the time you. Well, gonna, yeah, if you find it, we could we could throw it in the show notes too. Uh, later oh, on, if we, if oh, we the don't Dreamers. Find it it's called The Dreamers by Karen oh, Thompson yes. Walker. Why? Why yes. did we not think of that? It <laughs> <laughs> seems so obvious in retrospect. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking forward to this. The Marrow Thieves uh, by Cherie Dimeline. Uh, Mallory, thanks so much for jumping in for January. Veronica and her extremely tiny baby. Uh, thank you, too. I don't know so if you cute. The Congratulations, Veronica. Your baby's adorable. You've made that. <laughs> All right, Mallory. Thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you more in January. I can't wait. I'm excited to be in 2021. All right, Mallory has now been safely transported to January. Bria, let's wrap up the parable of the sower. We're going to get spoilery, folks. If you haven't read it, you might want to jump out now. Uh, let's let's just start with our own feelings. Uh, sort of a distant reread for you. How, how did you feel about it? Well, so, you know, I came into this with a very personal goal, which I brought everyone along with me for. Uh, where I was, I really was a bit like, like our main character as a matter you know, of fact, now that you think about <laughs> we're it. We're not that different. She created a religion. I want to read a book about her religion. Um, sure. Uh, where I, I was like, do I feel as strongly about this book as I feel like I, I like, I, I think of it as a favorite book of mine. And I will, I was like, okay, will I feel that way after 20 years or something? However long it's been since I read it. And um, I will say, I do think it still is. I think that in some ways I've read so many books that ape it and like use things from it. And it's just kind of created this whole genre and like really, well, for me really brought this specific genre alive of like the apocalyptic genre, but also just this whole like person on a road, which I love that mm -hmm. kind of, um, a, a book. Um, it kind of, it, it, it started that genre for me as like something that I knew I loved and it's still does that it's still i mean it, i will say like it's not as exciting as like for example the road the, you know the cormac mccarthy book or something sure. like that um but it has other things in it that i really enjoy and even though not a lot happens in this book really i mean i mean it i guess at the beginning a lot of stuff happens but once they hit the road it's kind of just like just survival and making sure that things go okay till they get to the place they need to be yeah. and and but i kind of liked it i don't know and and like we talked about at the beginning, I think it is about rebuilding and we can get into this uh, uh, or, or not. But I, I think also like I liked the religion aspect of it. I liked that she was creating this religion based on hope and based on the fact that the only constant is change, which I think I buy into like as far as religions go, like that's a pretty good belief. And um, yeah, I, I really I, I don't know. I really reflected on it and decided I do really like this book a lot. And I think it, it, it is, feels very relevant at this moment. I, I was just reading stuff about it before I jumped on with you. And, um, 
uh, I didn't realize that, that it was back on the bestseller list in, in September. Maybe we talked about that. Did we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, I think we may have mentioned that. Yeah. It, it sounds familiar. Yeah. And, the, and I was like, right, that totally makes sense because it is about like all of these apocalyptic things mm-hmm. happening at once. It's climate change. It's bad leadership. It's a disease. And like basically the importance of being ready to welcome change, which I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was not. I was like, Someone mm-hmm. I know started a mask company like week two of the pandemic. And I was like, ha, loser. What a terrible idea. <laughs> and, and like, how wrong was I? You know, like I was just like, no, things are going to be fine. I'm going to be going to South by Southwest in like two weeks. And I was so right. wrong. Um, and I I mean, if I just, you know, followed my teachings from Earthseed, I would have right. <laughs> recognized that change is inevitable. Um Anyway, those are my big thoughts on it. What did you think? This is your first reading of it, right? This is the first time you've read it. Yeah. And when yeah. we checked in last week, I, I was trying not to be spoilery, but that moment after the town burns, yes. uh, when she's, she's panicked, Ugh. she's just killed someone oh and God. she's hiding in the garage and she's wandering through Los Angeles <laughs> into her old neighborhood is when I was walking my dog yeah. <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of the second lockdown. Oh, no. uh, and the, I think the first half of this book is harder than the second half and and harder for lack of a better word, but it's, it's got the more difficult stuff. Uh, even though they're safe, quote unquote, in their walled community, they're not really because they're constantly under threat and they're constantly fighting. And it feels like we've got to hold on to what we have and we can't get up or give up. Uh, and that's where I was last week after they hit the road and they get on the highway and they're walking, like you said, like they have to deal with some threats here and there, but not that much happens. Probably the most uh, terrifying part was the fire. Yeah. And the fire sweeps along and, and you know, oh. having been through several seasons of fire here in California, yeah. like we know how fast they can move, how powerful they are. And so that that what that really hit me more than the attacks. Uh, and and even even when within when they killed one of the troop, uh, you know, that, that was bad, but the fire could have killed them all. Right. So, you know, there's levels, but I felt safer with them on the road, especially as they grew their group. And as they all sort of got on board with earth seed and were like, Oh, okay. Change is the, is the, is the thing that's important. And they all resist it. I mean, this novel has so many levels to it. Uh, so many interesting aspects to it, but it really does weave her philosophy of earth seed into the story in a way you you may not real at least I didn't realize right away until you get to the end and you're like oh right they all had to change they all had to roll with the changes and not get set on no but I want to go all the way north or no I have to get a job in that that company town like find the better option by dealing with the change and then they all do that at the end to the point where then they show up and the house is burned down and like well more change but you know let's adapt right right be ready for the thing that like the least expected thing. But what I and what I really liked, I mean, yes, the fire, you're right. That was horrifying. And and I the the visceral feeling I felt when they when they attack the um their community and like, you know, break through the walls and then they're like yeah. looking through their stuff, like all of that. But the thing is like she kind of knew that was coming. Like she was she was like, "Look, it's happened to everyone else, like why would it mm-hmm. not happen to us?" And I I mean, yes, very dark shit. But I think also what I really like about it is that that is is that she does have this faith in humanity, which I also have in spite of like, <laughs> like she's constantly, yes, like people constantly do crappy things, but then she keeps bringing people in and being like, yeah, this yeah. person has been, you know, through a lot. They might have the tendency to steal. Like this person has not had any money. This person was uh, living in, in, like indentured servitude or something they're gonna they're probably gonna steal but that doesn't make them a bad person we just have to teach them that that's not what they have to do in this community that there's enough for all of us and yeah i don't know there's something about i think that like this may be something i just like in books which is a general like yes there are certain people who will do bad things but i have i myself have a general faith in humanity and so does she and i think that's something i really identify with where it's like no but at their core i think most people want to be want to be good people, you know, um, and yeah, want to do yeah, what's yeah. right. And so 
she's taking big risks by trusting people, by being like seeing a guy with a cart alone and being like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, we'll you can join our group or like people who aren't the same race as her or people who look like they could probably steal from her and like saying like, you know, you can be a part of our group and uh, and and trusting them. And, you know, it's going to backfire eventually, probably, but she has to take that risk, which is good. And that's part of Earthseed mm-hmm. is taking the risk. Like, yeah. like that's woven in there, too, of like, well, if change is the deity, then I have to believe that people can change and the person who's a thief will learn not to be a thief from us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, and yeah, I, I don't know if you, I went and read about like the next book. Cause I also read it at one point, but obviously we aren't reading it now. And literally like the next one is all about how people come in who uh, have like a staunch religious stance that isn't earth seed. And they like mm-hmm. mess. I don't want to give up too much, but this is all like, you sure. can, you can read the thing. They come in and, um, to their community and, and things get messed up. And, uh, and it's just how important that they're, how she just sticks to her philosophy, which I kind of like that she sticks to her guns. Not only does she have like, you know, the gall, which I love to make her own religion. She's also like, no, my religion is right. And everything that happens just reinforces it, which either means that she's a complete lunatic or a genius. And I like, I err on the side of genius. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. No, there's, there's something really powerful about that character that isn't overpowerful. It's yeah. just, but it's believable because you see her develop this slowly uh, over time. And it's, you're right. It's a faith in humanity, but it's not a naive faith yeah. in humanity. Not at It's all. a smart faith in humanity of like, oh, okay. No one's wholly bad. No one's wholly good. Uh, but there are people that are too far on the bad end for us to, to want to deal with. Uh, we'll stay away from them. This person seems like they could be good, uh, but they'll probably try to steal with us. So let's be smart and guard against that until we, you know, we get their trust and they won't do that. Like it's, it's what I think is super important is like people aren't black and white categories, right? They're not, they're not binary. They're not ones and zeros. They're, they're complex. And she recognizes that and takes it, not takes advantage in, you know, the bad way, but like, you like accounts for that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was the one thing her father never did. Right. Her father was was like, we're, yeah, we, you know, we're part of, um, the Christian religion. It's very, you know, and inside these walls, this is how, what we do. And when she was like, you know, maybe we should do, maybe we should be prepared in case something happens to us. And he's like, no, 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 (laughs) we're going to be fine. Like God's going to watch us. And, you know, and, and, he was just very, very wrong. <laughs> yeah. We'll be prepared, but secretly prepared so that we can't yeah. really take advantage of it when we need it. Like, yeah. And I mean, and, you know, in some ways, obviously he was right. And he was like, you know, we should put up, uh, you know, we he, he agreed that they should put up uh, night guards and stuff like that. But I mean, in a world that was changing so quickly because of so many disasters happening at once, which I think is something we can all sort of relate to right now, it, it was... It, it wasn't enough, you know, like the things were going to change just so, so much quicker than her father thought it would. So, you know, in conclusion, start a mask company, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the takeaway, folks. Start you a know? mask company. You could have been rich by now. <laughs> if you can't, you can't start Earthseed because it's already been started. So your next best thing. <laughs> yeah. I uh, mean, I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And it was not, it was not. I do think apocalyptic books have changed. I think now it's like, you know, with with the the advent of just books based on like giant franchise books and and um series yeah. books that are just huge and adventurous and you know, I, they aren't like this anymore. They aren't thoughtful. They aren't about like two people just connecting on a road. <laughs> <laughs> but I I kind of liked the simplicity of that. That's what was so realistic about this to mm-hmm. me is, I mean, part of it's realistic because we're living through very similar things, right? Uh, things happened really fast. I remember going to the grocery store one day and suddenly everybody's panic buying. And yeah. where did that come from? Right. Yeah. It, it was it, like, it was just flipping a switch. So there were little things like that throughout that really, I went like, oh yeah, no, that, that might've sounded like fiction when she wrote it to some people, but I, I've seen something similar. Yeah. And the idea that even though society broke down, there's still police, there's still government, 
right? right? It didn't all break. Usually when we get post-apocalyptic, it's it's like, oh, every everything's gone, right? It's Mad Max now. Everybody's just, you know, spraying their mouth with chrome and driving around in crazy cars. And and this was like, no, society will fall apart much slower than that. And you'll have these insidious things like like slavery and indentured servitude to kind of just slowly creep back in. I, I, I find that quite a bit more terrifying uh, than the Mad Max thing, which, cause that seems ridiculous. Yeah, totally agree. And I think, I mean, Octavia Butler being a black woman, like she's a woman who would understand how these systems might cease to serve certain parts mm-hmm. of certain communities quicker than others, you know? And I mean, obviously like this year has been, I, I think a lot of us have, had our eyes opened to the way, yeah. you know, police structures and power structures only benefit certain people and are certain race of people and certain class of people. And Octavia Butler, I think, is literally taking that and saying like, yeah, but this look how this is going to extend. Look how this and, and extending it, it, extending it generally, but also how it's going, how it could even go further, but not that much further. I mean, not that, not that much, no, yeah. not that much, not that many steps more. And I know it's tempting to read a book like this and say, oh, it's so depressing because this is where we're headed. And I think to myself, no, that's why she wrote it so that we yeah. won't head there. And that's why people need to read it so that we won't head there because you'll read this and go, oh, crap, I don't want to head there. Well, I think that's why the character, the main character has uh, the hyper empathy, which is a very mm-hmm. science fiction element, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I listened to a, oh, you know, like a, it's not some podcast. I don't remember what it was, but one like a trustworthy one where like someone a 99% did percent invisible type something podcast. where they had someone yeah. on there that had something very similar to this where they if saw someone fall down, they could like feel it. Um, oh wow, yeah. So I I don't I mean I it it was only one person. I don't know if it's a lot of people this happens to, but um, I think the other thing that she's addressing is that compassion is important. I think right now we have a crisis of compassion in America. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's an overstatement at all. I think we are like all of us are having trouble being compassionate for each other. I think two different sides of politics are having trouble being compassionate for each other. And the one thing that uh, that the main character, Lauren, is just she's obviously very, very compassionate because she has hyper empathy. She can't help it, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. that means she feels for people. And it's the important thing to realize and going forward how important compassion is. Yeah, it feels like uh, what's happening in real life is an exhaustion of compassion, right? Mm. We either are like, I just, I just, I can't be compassionate anymore. There's too much. I'm overwhelmed. Right. Or I'm, I'm only going to be compassionate for my group. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. going to be compassionate for them over there. Uh, and she, and Lauren can't help but be compassionate for everybody <laughs> around her, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me think a lot because I feel like I have that problem where I'm, it's much easier for me to be compassionate with people I agree with. <laughs> Yeah, and right? like that's not okay. I should be compassionate for everyone and and understand everyone is fighting their own battles. And I think that she is, you know, whether or not she even can help it. But I, I think that that was the reason she Octavia Butler wrote her that way is that she she has to be compassionate for everybody. Yeah, Baratunde Thurston uh, did a great podcast series this year about that, about yeah. being compassionate for the people you don't agree with. Mm. Uh, it's It's a really interesting listen. Oh, I'll uh, let's get to some of the, the things that folks in the audience said. Seth notes, I'm about halfway through now. And so far, I like that Earthseed seems to be a pretty down to earth philosophy slash religion. There's definitely the idea in some philosophy and religion, as well as fantasy fiction, that daily life is a hindrance to discerning truth. Specifically, I thought about Bran in Game of Thrones. His character suffers partial paralysis, which removes him almost completely from his old life and seems to facilitate him receiving visions, etc. In a world as gritty as Westeros, this seemed funny to me. In Parable of the Sower, a similarly gritty world, I like that the truth Lauren pursues is more practical. It just seems to fit better. Ah, totally. Seth, total agreement. I Yeah, and I think that's what we were saying is that like, Oh, it feels realistic, you know, like it's yeah. not like, feels like Earthsea, I can, yeah, I can get down with Earthsea. Like, it's not like I don't have to like devote my life and go live in a monastery, you know? Right, right. <laughs> it's a very realistic religion. Yeah, total agree. Um, Steven says, I finished the tale. I found most of the violence to be offstage, more of a newspaper report than a police report with all of its glory, gory detail. I also found the tale more hopeful as the main character goes from being afraid and untrusting to becoming more sure of herself and willing to take a chance on on individuals. 
Plus, the tale took place in my neck of the world, a path I've traveled my, many times, uh, as both lakes mentioned in the tale are fabulous for fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, uh, you know, having uh, practically walked the five in traffic, uh, <laughs> or at least driven the five at the speed of walking. Uh, yeah, yeah the, there were definitely parts that that struck home. I, I, I know those probably don't strike home as much to people not from around here, but um, I'm with you, Stephen. Yeah, I loved it too. I, I, this was the first time I had not lived in California when I read it the first time I had never lived here or been here. So uh, it was fun reading it after actually being in California. And then uh, Kenley wanted to point out that Dr. Monica Coleman and Tanana Reeve do have been hosting a series during the pandemic called Octavia tried to tell us a parable for today's pandemic. So far, there have been 10 discussions with 10 different guests. If you want to check it out, uh, it is on YouTube and we'll have a link to it in the show notes at swordandlaser.com. Just so you know, I I clicked on this and also found they have sweatshirts that say the same thing. They say Octavia Butler tried to tell us, uh, which I think (laughs) I'm going to order because that I, well, obviously like I have another good six months left of sweatshirt wearing. So feels totally Mm -hmm. useful. Definitely. All right. Uh, well, that is it uh, for Sword and Laser. Uh, Bria, thank you again. This has oh been so much fun having you here. Thank you for going down this, this uh, you know, this Literal fire-filled road, road um, <laughs> this <laughs> apocalyptic road with me. It's been <laughs> such a little adventure for me, and I really appreciate everyone coming along. And, uh, and, and thanks for inviting me on the show. This has been such a blast. Yes. Thank you for having faith in our humanity to invite us <laughs> into your troop. <laughs> Uh, as we went along, uh, Veronica, thanks you too. And, uh, we know babies are welcome in this troop. So that's good. Yeah, totally welcome. You know, come on to Uh, Earthseed. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, folks, uh, our show is going to continue. Uh, we'll keep updating you on Veronica. She's doing great. Her maternity leave is going to last for a few months. Uh, Mallory O'Mara from Reading Glasses, as you heard, is going to be joining us next month for our next read. Uh, and our show is currently entirely funded by patrons. Thanks to everybody who backs our show. If you'd like to support the show, head to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links at sword and laser.com slash picks. Review us on iTunes. Uh, I guess it's not even called iTunes anymore. It's the what? podcast app or oh, the podcast yeah. store. Uh, but uh, yeah, that helps other people discover us. Feedback at swordandlaser.com, of course, and swordandlaser.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And of course, all the discussion happens over at goodreads.com. See you next time. Bye. Like you're there!